Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. One of today's sponsors is my absolute favorite new addition into my life, and that's Hydro Jug. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably have noticed this adorable lavender water bottle following me around everywhere I go, and that's because I'm absolutely obsessed with it. The water bottle itself has a couple different options. It has that flap up lid if you like to sip out of it. And they also have the most unreal straw I've ever experienced. It like folds down into the jug while you're not using it. And when you have it capped, it has a really nice handle and it's not so big that you can't carry it around. I'm not kidding you, you all. I've actually been staying hydrated and I've been like texting my friends about it because I'm so proud. Hydration is so important. I can't believe this, but almost 75% of Americans are dehydrated. That means if you just heard me say this, you are probably dehydrated. I'm probably dehydrated. We all know that water is crucial to our health because that's energy, that's skincare, and that's our overall wellness. But how much water do you actually really need to unlock these benefits? Well, the answer is typically a full gallon each day. Friends, this is why you need the Hydro Jug more than just they're really cute and I love their straws. These durable and reusable jugs hold more than half a gallon, so you don't need to keep filling up that tiny bottle every hour. Aside from convenience and function, it's just a damn good looking bottle. If you could just see all the bright and bold colors they have, I have both lavender and I have pink, and then my kids wanted one, so we got some more. But on top of that, they also have neoprene accessory sleeves that slip right over the bottle to keep your water cold and come in a variety of awesome patterns and colors to mix and match with your bottle and with your personal style. Each sleeve has a matching shoulder strap and two pockets to hold stuff like phones, keys, chapstick, or anything else. And if you are into those accessories like a straw, I highly recommend adding that as well. You can check out HydroJug at thehydrojug.com and use discount code PAPAYA for 10% off your order today. Hydro jugs are a game changer for anyone on the go. Again, use code papaya at www.thehydrojug.com and get 20% off today and start hydrating in style. Let's get to the show. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Oh, y'all are in for a treat today. I almost said a tweet today. We're in for nothing today. <laughs> this is actually a really cool opportunity. I'm not going to lie. We had a bit of a schedule shift up and we brainstormed really quickly and came up with a podcast that we've had in our back pocket for a while. And that's actually bringing on the team that supports me. We are a small but mighty little crew and I'm so excited for you to get to know them. We're going to talk about all things behind the scenes where we think things are going, what we all do, and those first impressions around this job and career. So first up, we have Samantha Hicks, who is my manager. We were connected via the talent management agency three years ago, Sam, was it? Yeah, I think we're coming up on our third anniversary this summer. 
Okay, I probably can you put it in my calendar to send you some flowers? <laughs> Just, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. So that's a day in the life. And then next up was actually somebody who was a friend of mine who was working operations in an entirely different field. And I somehow managed to nab her and have her come be a part of this to help bring some order, I should say, into the chaotic person that I am. And that is Miss Haley Gill. Hello, hello. Very excited to be here. I, this is, this is weird for you guys. You have to come and be a part of like, put your face to it because you're so behind the scenes and now you're coming forward. This is exciting for me. I love to torture you just a little bit. I was going to say, this is some form of torture. (laughs) Just a little. Let's start with you, Sam. Tell me how you got into talent management in the first place and maybe a little bit of the scope of what you do and what your role is in terms of Team Papaya. Sure. So I was, how I got into talent management, I was still in school when I first interned with Shine Influencers, which is the management agency I work for. I did my internship with them. I went uh, back to school, finished my diploma, got a job in PR worked at a marketing communications agency for a year and a half or so, and really just didn't like it. Wanted out, thought I wanted to change, leave the industry entirely, and reached out to one of the co-founders at Shine to ask if she'd be a reference. I had no idea what I was going to do, but I was doing something else. About a week went by, and then she reached out and asked me um, how my job search was going, and I asked her if she'd gotten any calls. She said no. So I said, that about sums that up. <laughs> and um, she's like, well, what if I gave you a job instead? So I actually started working on Shine's PR side before I made the switch into talent management, but I took on a couple of talent just to kind of like keep me busy when the PR side wasn't bumping. And I fell in love with it. So the one thing that I always really lacked on the PR side was I kind of felt I was like just one small piece in a really, really big moving machine. And I didn't feel like I had any impact on the businesses that I was working for behind the scenes. Mm. Um, But what I really love about talent management is that I very directly see what it is I'm doing with you. So like your success is my success. Your failures are my very big failures. Um, (laughs) So I love that like that, I guess the really close relationship that we get to have with our talent as talent managers. And I love that, you know, like we work on campaigns with give back, components. And it's just something really special to me. And I love it. You are definitely like that. You're the connector and the almost the connector and the protector of me. A lot of times you are that medium between you were the first person that really taught me my worth in this industry, who showed me kind of like that. I didn't need to sell myself short that I, a hell yes should be a hell yes. And a no should be a no. And that it's okay. And you are okay to say no. And, you know, you've just been one of those people that has taken me from being very scared in content creation to very confident and feeling supported. And like, I'm a valuable member of a much bigger, like you said, like it's, it's a big machine. There's a lot going on when it comes to advertising and whatnot, but you kind of brought my own singular worth into the situation because I went from just to give context when I was running this by myself, because a lot of people start, and this is why I get really passionate about talking about how predatory a lot of the industry can be because people get taken advantage of very easily when they don't have representation or don't even understand something because people don't talk about it. It's not widely conversed about yet. A lot of people are still hiding are holding a lot of stuff to their chest, which is why this episode is really fun for a lot of people to kind of understand a lot of the backgrounds of things. But when I came on, you actually increased my income. Basically, what I had been valuing myself at was taking me like hours and hours of work, weeks on end of studying, doing brand briefings, contracts, all of the stuff by myself for a very small amount. You took what I was making in a month and did it what I was making in a week within that first week. And no brand even hesitated. It was mostly about the fact that I had undervalued myself for so long. And you came in and, and created that value metric that completely changed my career because I signed on with management and within six months, I was able to quit my job, which was really, really exciting. But we're going to loop back into kind of a lot of that in a little bit. Haley, let's jump over to you because when you came on, all I knew was that I needed help. 
There wasn't a lot (laughs) there. It was a, you went from already having a pretty stable job in a totally different industry with major organizational skills, which I loved. And you also are a photographer, which I loved, but I just knew that I wanted you to be a part of it, but that made it, it was almost an intimidating ask because I was like, Hey, I've got a part-time gig. I don't know what it looks like. I don't even know what the role is going to be because I haven't given up any part of what I do to anybody yet. Scent is perhaps the body's most underappreciated of the senses. It powers your taste. It creates memories. And yes, it even unleashes desire. Function of Beauty's team of formula scientists know this, and they make scent a key ingredient in every bottle. Bottle of what though? Well, Function of Beauty is a world leader in fully customized hair care. They create your unique formula based on a short but thorough quiz to give your hair everything it needs to look and feel its best. Every product is sulfate and paraben-free, vegan, cruelty-free, and there are over 60,000 real five-star customer reviews. And Function of Beauty fans are absolutely wild about the fragrances, and for good reason. Your hair has never smelled more amazing. Try Tropical Mango, Sweet Peach, Crisp Pear, or subtler scents such as Lavender, Rose, or my favorite, Eucalyptus. If fragrance is not for you, that's okay. You can get unscented as well. A few months back, actually probably into last year, I took that short but thorough quiz and I got my own customized bottles of shampoo and conditioner. Mine were purple in shade because I love that little bit of toning that it can do to my blonde hair. And I have been so impressed with how it is on day-to-day for my hair and really enjoying that ability to customize it. If there's something that changes, whether it's environmental or hormones or whatever, you notice that change in your hair, you can make that change in your bottle's formula as well. And with the scent options, you can turn your beauty routine into a aroma therapy session, a tropical getaway even. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash papaya to take that quick but thorough quiz and save 20% off your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. That's functionofbeauty.com slash papaya. That's going to let them know you heard about it here and you're going to get 20% off your order. Functionofbeauty.com slash papaya. Let's go back to today's chat. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. So walk me through what it is that you do now and that transition into getting there from where you started to where it stands today. Yeah, for sure. I think that you and I met, oh man, we met a while back. We had a mutual friend and you needed photos done at the time. So I didn't really know much about you. I met you and the kids at a barn and we took some family photos. I got to know We did meet a at a bit. barn. Yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah. Stranger danger, but uh, it all yeah. worked out. So <laughs> yeah, so we had met that way. And I remember uh, you would use some of the photos on your social media and I kind of woken up to a bunch of inbox messages on my end for my photography. It was kind of like, oh, that's weird that everyone decided to message me on the same evening because I didn't, I didn't know a lot about you and who you were and the brand that you were developing at the time. And it's just been a journey to watch where you were then to where you are now. But yeah, I was working a full-time job. I had HG as a little side hustle, my photography. I was doing all right. And I remember I didn't know a lot about the business. And when you would discuss it, I kind of was like, okay, Instagram, you know, like that's interesting. How are people making money off this? And, and how does that work? And I had no idea. It was a whole, it was a foreign concept to me, a different type of marketing that I had never really crossed, especially in my job. And so 
I said, you know, we had kind of talked about some opportunities and I said, if you incorporate and this is a business, then who knows? I don't know what it would look like. But at the time I knew that I was seeking more in my career and in life in general. And yeah, you did approach me with a part-time position, but boy, did that turn around quick when I hopped on and uh, within six months, I'm not even actually four months, it turned into full-time. You doubled my salary and then we got on, you know, the connections with Sam and Shine and how I was able to create systems within the Birds Papaya Incorporated that could work with Shine's systems and just honestly turning what was a one-man show and what still is very much associated with you as a person, turning it into a business that had its own entities and different avenues where income could come in and just you as a person being able to not constantly rely on one thing and build kind of more for your family and for your future. So it was, it was interesting. I mean, I grew up with a dad who looks at Instagram, well, you're going to quit your full-time job for Instagram. Like, what are you doing? But really it's just a completely different way of marketing. When companies used to rely on a billboard, hoping that people saw it. Now you're able to provide exact details of who saw, who bought. The insights these days are just insane. And companies are willing to put their money into that to drive results. And it's been a crazy, interesting world to get to know. It's been really cool to see Sam's side. It's been really cool to see your side. And I think the beauty of it is I get to do the business end, which I love and challenges me and pushes me. Uh, But I also get to take photos of you, which is pretty cool. And uh, we love doing that and getting creative and trying to come up with different concepts and working with really awesome brands. So it's been a weird ride. (laughs) It's been a wild one. But honestly, where I was, I guess it was two years ago, uh, to where I am now is just the opportunities have been remarkable. I'm very thankful that we took the plunge. Yeah. And, and, you know, you spoke to it a little bit, but the legitimacy of this industry, I was just talking to another content creator about this. It almost feels a lot of times like we're convincing people that this is a real job, that they, you can actually make money at it. Uh, You know, I, I did this for free for over a decade. So sometimes it's like, Yes, you can, but also like it might take some time to get there. There's a lot of like intention in building, but also just finding joy and passion within what you do. And then for me, as much as it made me a little nervous to like even say like, oh, I have a team, you know, there's three of us, but we have a team. But then I've really had to flip the narrative to be like, no, I'm now in a place where I'm not only just supporting myself, I'm actually supporting other people in their own career growth and their own, you know, learnings. And, you know, this industry, we're kind of taking it on, learning every single day. But it, it can be hard to kind of convince families or people who this is such a new industry to. So Sam, did you ever have that with your family to be like, what do you do? Talent management for like Instagrammers? Like, how was your family reaction to this? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like it's difficult to tell someone that you're an influencer and have them understand what it is that you do and how you make money. Now try telling them that you manage an influencer. (laughs) So yeah, I, I do agree. But I think this world as we know it now on Instagram is definitely new. I feel like this whole industry is like six years old, which is kind of crazy. But what we're doing is not new. I mean, at the end of the day, an ad on Instagram, you're basically a spokesperson for the brand and brands have been doing that for forever. You know, you've got athletes and celebrities that give endorsements for products. It just maybe wasn't as obvious. So for instance, like if you're watching a movie and you see a blatant, you know, placement for Coca-Cola, like that wasn't free. It doesn't have hashtag ad written all over it, but like they paid for that. You know what I mean? So it's not a new approach, but it is a new place. So the way it's done on Instagram is definitely new. Yeah. And that's a really good point because we're in such a day and age where like disclaiming is incredibly important. It's part of like the ethics in in the industry, but we've been subtly been marketed to for our whole lives. Like, and, and I often compare it, you know, when people are you know, it happens every so often where people write a little comment. We're like, I don't like that you do ads. 
But I've never heard of people writing into magazines to be like, I don't like that you have this perfume ad in the middle of it. They just simply turn the page. Or when you're watching a television show on a network, you're sitting through a commercial. You don't just like throw up your arms and be like, are you kidding me? Another ad? You get up, you go to the bathroom, you're listening to it in the background. You go and grab yourself a snack. It's it's almost a subtlety, right? It is not an obvious, it's not the content that you came for. It's not the thing that you, you know, it it's free. First of all, it's not like a subscription or cable networking, but it, it isn't something that you did, um, you know, for that, but you, you kind of get to come along for the ride of it's a subtlety, but now it's become a lot more obvious because of the disclaimers, because of this, like kind of being voiced a little bit more. And then to allow people to understand that it's not just posting a photo on Instagram and making money to actually understanding that it's a business and there's a lot of structures to it. It's not just like a joke show where you kind of just like slap stuff together and then it just works out. My mornings have never been busier between getting myself ready, the kids ready. There never seems to be enough time to prepare a smoothie or any sort of healthy breakfast option. Oftentimes I'm shoving my hand into a box of cereal, if I'm going to be honest with you. With a vibe, I kid you not, all you have to do is pop eight delicious and nutrient-packed cubes into your favorite mason jar, add your liquid of choice, oat milk, juice, water, almond milk, it all varies on the day, and smoothie blend, get the kids dressed, ready for school, ready for their day's activities, and shake. There you have it, a healthy on-the-go breakfast that keeps you energized all morning. The best part All of Avive's products are made with 100% fruits, vegetables, superfood, and plant-based proteins. They're non-GMO. They contain no added sugars or artificial ingredients. It's just the best of the best. It might sound like the ideal imaginary breakfast, but it's not. Avive is entirely customizable, versatile, and truly fits into your busy schedule or your slow schedule. It's just a great way to add more of these smoothies into your morning in a very, very easy and convenient way. You don't have to compromise anywhere and there's barely any cleanup to do. Same goes for lunches. Their pre-made soups or bowls are a lifesaver. Even your kids will love them. I know my son is a huge soup fan, so this is right up his alley. Get a taste of what perfection tastes like by ordering your first box of Evive smoothies and lunches. Use promo code PAPAYAPODCAST20 to get 20% off and free shipping across Canada and in the U.S. That's promo code PAPAYAPODCAST20 to get 20% off at Evive. Thanks so much for listening, and let's go back to today's show. Haley, you know, you're somebody because you left a job that was pretty legit moving into something that people were like, what, why are you like, what are you doing? Like, why? I know we've both experienced that, but like, how has it been for you to kind of go through that almost like that friction of what is reality and what is perception when it comes to your job? I mean, there's two different ends of it. You're going to have the generations that don't understand. So for instance, obviously my dad's the first person I told, and I had to break it down to him on the level of Tiger Woods. Like I had to be like, Tiger Woods is a pro golfer. He's very good at what he does. You love him. Okay. So Tiger Woods has to put clothes on and Tiger Woods has to wear sunscreen and Tiger Woods has to wear shoes just like the rest of the world. But for some reason you want to know why he's wearing no shoes or what kind of, like he's outside a lot. Maybe he has a specific type of sunscreen he likes. Like people, it builds curiosity in people because they see themselves or in that person, or they see that person as someone that they're aspiring to be. And that's humans. But I had to explain it to my dad on a level that somewhat made sense to him because when you get into all the jargon, he doesn't understand. But on the basic level, you know, you have someone who you value, who you've placed value on in your life. And then you kind of want to know what they're doing or how they're living that life. Either you can obtain it or either just because you're genuinely curious as to why they seem to be such a great person. And that was the way I had to explain to my dad. But then you also have my friends who are at the age where, you know, no one really has that one job you get into when you're 18 and you live it out your, the rest of your right. life. Like my dad, yes. right? So yeah. there's no real 
huge one career for anyone. Mm-hmm. So there was lenience with that. You know, some of my friends were like, that's exciting. You're going into something random. Who knows what's going to happen? And I think you can either look at it as there's a huge amount of possibility in something that is so uncertain, or you can give into the fear and not really understand. And I think that I've realized a lot of people who have watched me go into this and watched me succeed in it didn't ever really go into those fears. They were just really excited to see where I could take something. But people who gave into those fears almost wanted to say like, you're making a mistake. When they've watched me succeed and and do well for myself, they are genuinely questioning their own nine to fives. So it's an interesting concept. I feel the friction is different when you're looking at your friends, when you're looking at your families. I've also realized people who sometimes have an opinion about it that is negative. It's just a reflection of where they are in their job. They could have been in a similar situation as me where they were in a nine to five and they didn't feel satisfied or anything like that. And I just, I took the plunge and it worked. And I know that some people have done that and it hasn't. It's all a very scary, scary thing. But I think I knew that I had to build confidence in talking about what I did because it's really easy to say I'm an operations manager for a commercial company. And it's difficult to say I'm an operations manager for an influencer and not get the immediate, what? Like, that's stupid. Or what does that even mean? Or, oh, like, she just has to say she likes it. Like, you really do realize the um, opinions that people have, even though they engage with social media every single day. So it's, it's very interesting, but the friction I think was hard in the beginning because I felt silly leaving stability for instability. Especially when I took you to Disney and I was like, it's a work day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. My dad was like, oh, I guess it's a cool job. When I like took a selfie with Mickey Mouse and was like, just at work. So it's been good. I mean, now I have full confidence saying what I'm doing. People who are close to me have just watched my life light up and they're so proud of that. So I think, yeah, much like you, you're going to have criticism and you're going to have support. And it's just really important to lean into the support side rather than quote unquote, the hate. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I'm, I'm watching Ted Lasso right now. Have you guys ever seen that show? Oh, I love it. Okay. So there is this scene where he talks about being criticized his whole life and he's playing a game of darts and he's definitely hustling this game of darts. They went in on a bet and he's this very nice guy. So this older man who is like very wealthy, just thinks that he's about to like outplay him under the table. And he gives this entire speech and I'm going to like hack job this, but give the best parts of it. And he says he loved this quote by Walt Whitman that said, be curious, not judgmental. And he said that his whole life he's lived being curious, just being curious about things, being willing to try new things. And he said that he noticed that people would mock him for it no matter what. There was always that um, resistance and that hate that he would endure throughout the years and that ultimately he was the one curious and they were the ones that were judgmental. And he said, you know, had you of entered this, he said it in a much more eloquent way, but had they entered this dark competition and him not being judgmental and instead the other person being not judgmental, but instead being curious, he would have asked him, Hey, Ted, do you play darts? And he would have answered, yes, I do. Every Sunday from ages of 10 to 16 with my father, I would spend like six hours on a Sunday playing darts. So he's like, yes, sir, I like I do, right? But he's like, because of that judgment, they never asked that question and therefore he lost the game. But that quote really stuck with me because I was like, this is it. There will always be like that side of it where there's the those who are curious enough to try and those who will judge you for trying. And as much as I still struggle with, you know, some of the brought on shame that can happen from an industry that is so new or that feels so silly sometimes, it also makes me so proud to sit on the side of being curious instead of leaning into that judgment and how much it can shut you down. Because in the 12 years of doing this, I am so lucky that I had a family who, to be honest, they don't treat me any differently now than they did when I released my very first blog and nobody was reading. They were the first subscribers. They were the first people who were like sharing that content that was so atrocious. And they just had this 
support of me, even though it felt like for me, I I look back on it and I was like, wow, that was really crappy. Because sometimes it comes up on like Facebook memories and they're like, so proud. Like this was such a good recipe. And I was like, no, it wasn't. It was spaghetti shoved into hot dogs, fam. But that's who, that's who they were. And they, and they did that. Right. And throughout the years, being able to like cause more and more legitimacy to it, but also recognizing that it almost had to get big and splashy before it did. Like my grandmother will text me and be like, Oh, my friend told me you were on city line. Like, that's so cool. And I was like, it, it does take that. How big it gets will finally be like, Oh, this is a serious thing. This is a real job and it's a real career. But I got to talk about the fact that COVID really made it a lot more serious because people lost the ability to go out into the world, to see billboards, to see ads in traditional sense, to have walk-by traffic, which a lot of small shops rely on, a lot of restaurants rely on certain things. And suddenly it was like, oh my gosh, we need influencers. And it just, the whole industry started to turn. And there was a lot of pressure in this last year, but also brought a lot more um, almost understanding. I saw a lot of people people who I've never talked to about this, be like, tell me about the influencer world. Like explain it to me because my company's looking at getting into it. We're looking at creating budget around that because we no longer have budget around, you know, different things that would be in the public eye. Now we have to completely shift focus and we're looking, money goes where eyes go and money and eyes right now are on social media platforms. We're scrolling TikTok every day. We're scrolling Instagram every day. Facebook every day, whatever that thing might be for you, there's going to be advertisements within that. There's going to be, you know, now we're working a lot more towards actual brand partnerships where we're actually involved ground floor with things as well. It's very cool to see this shift, but have you guys noticed that as well? Like, have you, what have you felt over the last, like uh, Sam, you might have a little bit more. Do you even know like the numbers and stats around even just how the influencer like industry has grown? Cause I know on the talent agency side, you guys have picked up a lot more talent. You've grown exponentially, but how is that? Like it is, it is seemingly rapid right now. Yeah, I'm not sure if I have a hard stat for you, but what I can tell you is that um, Shine, we've been very, I don't want to say lucky throughout the last year because it's not luck where we've got a great team. We work really hard. We have amazing talent, but we've done really well. Almost all of our talent, I think more than 40% of our talent have doubled what they were making last year to this year. You're right. Like There's businesses and people that would have never, ever explored the influencer space now have no other choice because their business has been pushed online and they have to meet their consumers where they're at. So I think it's been really interesting that way. But then also, I think another thing that's pushed people to want to know more about our space, like just your regular consumers, people on social media platforms, is that we've seen Instagram now and TikTok be used as a vehicle for social change, for social good, for movements. And that is something that they want to know more about. That's something they want to get involved with. And people are looking to people like you to use their voices and their followings to move the needle. And I think it can be both a good thing and a bad thing at times. But what it's done is really show people the power in a strong digital voice and for me, there's nothing more important than that. Now, as somebody who understands the industry a little bit more than even I do, what would you say to somebody? Do you think there's still room for new creators to somebody who's like working that nine to five grind and just wondering like, what if I started getting curious in my off hours? What if I started getting curious you know, on my weekends or just, you know, trying new things? It feels very saturated, but what's the reality? Absolutely. Definitely room for people to get it. My question to them would be, why? Why do you want to do it? If your answer is money, then no, you're not going to make it. It's not going to work. Chances are very slim. You have to be in it for the right reasons. You have to be in it because you want to connect, because you have some kind of value to add, because you're looking for community. There has to be a reason because Sarah, to your point earlier on, you mentioned that you know, you did this for like 10 years before there was any kind of recognition or any kind of payment involved. So it's like, you're in for the long haul. You've got to be willing to put in the time. And I think a lot of people that jump into this for the money and don't get me wrong, there is money to be made. They don't understand the work that goes into it behind the scenes. You're in a position now where you have management, where you've got, you know, Haley, who is, you know, wearing a bunch of different hats for you, but 
in the beginning, you were the set designer, you were makeup, you were hair, you were the photographer, you were the editor, you were, you know, you had to be everything. And you didn't like just know how to do those things one day. You slowly had to work at it. You oh, had for to sure. Learn. Still learning every day. So I think that's a big misunderstanding. I think because consumers only know their side of Instagram. They only know that they like snap a selfie, throw it on Instagram. And that's like all, that's it, right? And so they assume, I think naturally that that's what it is for you too. They don't have any kind of real understanding for what goes in to the setup and to to get that perfect shot or... Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think also it might be cool to touch on, maybe you can give a little bit of advice into somebody who is looking to start up. Uh, obviously it was a long time before I ever had management because it did, it, I had to put in the work to be legitimate myself, to actually take it seriously, to put in time to do the job for free, to, to build up that trust, to, to just have fun with it and really understand who I was as a content creator before ever marketing myself or taking on jobs from somebody else hiring me because I made a lot of mistakes there for sure. But what would you say to somebody who is like looking to get into it? They're going to have to self-represent for a little while. It can be hard to create value for yourself. As we know, that's a huge reason that I, it took me so long to find success was because I devalued myself so much. And I think people really don't understand how to even find that confidence. Like they're like, oh, I only have like you know, 4% engagement. That's so bad. Engagement being like the amount of comments and likes on something versus the, the amount of followers you have. And when that number feels very low, you're like, oh, well, I'm just not, I'm not very good at this. The response isn't very huge. I don't know how to create value when I only have a 4% engagement. What is like the actual metrics and what are the things that brands really care about and look to and why micro influencers are incredibly important to the conversation? So a bunch of things go into setting rates, following count, of course, for sure, engagement, definitely. But, you know, you have to look at also the quality of your content, the demand to work with you are tons of brands and agencies reaching out to you, because if so, that inflates your rate as well. I would say if you have, let's say 20,000 followers and you've got an engagement rate that is 3% or higher, you can be looking to charge in between $1,500 and $2,000 for posts and stories. That's kind of like where I'd start knowing, knowing that everybody is going to negotiate. So that's one thing about this industry that I think people don't understand is that I don't ever throw your rate out Sarah, and very rarely anyways. And they're like, yep, done. Let's do it. Find that. Let's get the contract through. There's a lot of back and forth. It's a bit of a, almost like a bit Mm -hmm. of a bartering system. So, which I personally kind of hate, Um, (laughs) but it is, it's part of it. So you have to, you know, give a number knowing that they're probably going to come back to you with, you know, a $500 lower Right. The other thing I would say, if I had a tip for people that are negotiating on their own behalf is create another email that is, you know, hello at the birds of or whatever, and pretend to be somebody else, have some kind of alter ego. It's, it is difficult to negotiate for yourself. Like I do it for you all day long and I have absolutely no problem doing it. But if you ask me to do the same thing for me, I don't, I don't know that I could, it's a different beast. So be somebody else. And then if you need to, if it starts to go awry, you can jump back in from your own email and say like, oh, you know what? Like Sarah here, I'll do this for 750. No worries. Like let's move forward. I think also too, when we talk numbers like this, people immediately are like, what? How much money is to be made? This is the mistake that I made friends. And then I owed a lot of money to the Mr. Tax man. Okay. So let's break it down a little bit as well. Not only are you giving cuts to your management or other teams as well, you also give in the early days, it's anywhere between, I'm going to misquote this, but you can look it up for yourself. Somewhere between like 25 and 50% will usually get gone to taxes. And then on top of that, it's everything that you need for actual production is going to be a cost as well. So when you see these rates, like it is actually a much smaller number is your physical take home to that or that you, you know, like for us, obviously it is a divided between our team. There is like a buildup of like production equipment and stuff as well can be very, very costly. It took me a long time. It actually took me almost a few years of actual work before I could buy a actual camera, not just using an iPhone, but also understanding that you can do this on an iPhone. I have friends who are working off iPhones 
who are doing an amazing job and absolutely killing it. And also when we talk about these engagement numbers, I heard this once that 4% is an incredible engaged audience, that 10% is like over the top, it's an A++, and 25% is viral. So when you're looking at like a viral content, it's still only 25% of that engaged audience. And that is like, an incredible thing to hear when you understand and feel like, why isn't my whole audience paying attention to this and seeing this? Or why even within this viral content has only a certain amount of my own audience seen it. And that's kind of just the difference between those who sit and watch the commercials and those who are actually like passively, you know, enjoying it or have collected you along the years and maybe aren't physically there, but often ebb and flow through your content. It's not everything being seen all the time. And that's why these numbers like 3% and 4% are actually strong numbers. They're real numbers. They're great numbers. And for content to be legitimate in the eyes of anybody, it should ebb and flow. It should go up and down. It shouldn't be that every single post is sitting at 10 to 25% because that's asking you to create viral content, which you cannot predict every single time. And I feel like that's something that I really got caught up on is like, why aren't people liking my posts when I put so much work into them? You know, because for that one post you get paid, there's 10 posts that you made unpaid. And all of that content time, that work you're putting in, these 12 hour days that you sometimes have, and you're like, why did this fall flat? Like, why didn't this do that thing? Why do I only have like 3% there? And that's still a strong number. Like that's still success. And that's still building your brand. That's still building the image of like, what did the conversation or the storytelling that you choose to create and give? And And I wish more people understood that. I wish more people talked numbers. I wish more people could understand that this is a legitimate business, but it's also very intimidating to get into something that nobody talks about. And while this podcast, like, is going to be probably very eye-opening for people. It's also hopefully going to give a little bit of clarity to how things work a little bit as well. But Haley, for somebody who came in and really had no clue into what this whole world is, and even just the reality of like working for somebody who, like we were fairly new friends at the time, how has it been seeing how much work actually goes into this content and just understanding in a way being like anybody could do this, but not everybody could do this. Yeah, for sure. I get two main questions when people ask me about my job. And one is how can I do it? So how, you know, what's, what's the quickest way? And two, is she a B word? So this, this, I love that that's a question. I know. So this will cover both of your things, but to the people who ask me right away, you know, is this something I can do or how can I do it? It's really hard to not give the whole, you can't have a white picket fence tomorrow. You know, you've been doing this for 15 years. There was so much buildup, but I would say in the last three years, you've really honed into doing it because making sure what you put out is something you love. I feel like there was a switch. Um, And we've had this conversation many times. Do you post the thing that you know everyone else is going to like? Or do you post the thing that brought you a lot of joy because you know how much work it took to post it? Or just because it was joy. Like, I had a lot of fear of just like posting my baby. And now I'm like, oh, it just makes me so happy. I just want that to be my memories in social media 10 years from now. Yes. And it's hard to explain to people like Sam said, if you're getting into it for money, you're you're not going to be successful. But if you are doing it because you genuinely love what you do and you genuinely love putting in a lot of work to produce something that makes you happy, then you will be successful because social media and all these influencers have really heightened jobs that some would say were dying, like photography. You you couldn't make a six-figure income being a photographer 20 years ago. You know, you, you, that, that was not an option. And when you said you were a photographer, people kind of pitied it. And little things like that, where now with creative expression and the amount of production you can put into like such a beautiful thing in a world that really only cares about visuals, it's opened up that whole realm for people to be successful and push. And we do, you know, I wish, <laughs> I wish I showed up in the morning with a coffee and we hit a button. Oh, and we're like, can't wait. Can't oh, wait. what a day. What a day. So much work goes into it. But I think the difference is, is I'm proud of everything I think that we've ever put out there. And I think that if anyone is looking for satisfaction in their life or in their job, it's to wake up and be proud of what you do. So no, no one can just wake up and do it. Uh, there's no easy 
buy a camera and take a picture and you'll be an influencer. Yeah. And Haley, how many photos do we approximately take for one brand campaign? I mean, memory cards are full. <laughs> we took 847 for our last one. Yeah. We, we um, it's no small, it's no small task. Uh, we like options, but yeah, like, I mean, you think about it though, we took 800 photos. It was probably two hours of a set falling over, flowers going everywhere, making sure this was right. The lighting, the sun fading, the sun, like there's so much to it. And I think that why the white picket fence thing is a thing is because everyone sees that image and was like, oh, that was so easy. Or that picture you thought was going to be so easy. And then you do the whole set and you're like, oh, wow, this doesn't work at all. And then also being understanding of the fact that the brand might hate it. So you have to have like options available so that you're not like, if they're looking at it and they're like, this actually doesn't align with us, you got to be ready with backups. So we have started like making bigger shoots and more options and then being ready with like multitudes of them. So that if they're like, we don't love, every once in a while I make the mistake and I don't have backups and then I have to reshoot everything. And you know what? That's okay. At the same time that it can be frustrating. It's also okay because my nightmare is to have like a brand or people like upset with me or not like what I did. So I'm okay to like redo and revamp and make it. So like, again, what we talked about on the skinny confidential podcast episode where Lauren was like, it has to be a win, win, win. It has to be brand win. It has to be my win it has to be audience win and really feeling that and not leaning into just what the brand wants and not leaning into just what you want and not just leaning into like what you think the audience is going to like, and just knowing that you're, you're the connector piece between all of it. This is what the brand message wants to be. This is who you are. This is your audience that you're so connected to. How do you create this narrative together and really have building that trust? And honestly, why we end up working a lot of long-term partnerships with brands is because we want to kind of build a lot of that trust, but am I a bitch to work for? Um, it's, it's funny going into, because at the end of the day, you and I were friends, we were new friends. Um, we had a relationship, so I was a little nervous. I, I know you probably were too. We didn't really know how to navigate that side of it. But I think the one thing you and I do, if we're having a conversation and I need to be your operations manager, I clarify that that's who I'm speaking as. And if I, as a friend have an opinion or something to say, about your heart and your beauty in it, then I will clarify I'm speaking to you as a friend. And I think that it's a hard line to draw in the sand, but as long as you're on one side or the other and you can respect both of those boundaries, you'll be successful. It's not scary working with your friends as long as you are open, honest, and willing to communicate. And there was sometimes like there was one day where I was, you were asking me how the day was going. And I was like, I'm just super stressed because I got to get this done and I have to go pick up Maya. I have to go. And you're like, can I go pick up Maya for you? And I was like, no, absolutely not. That's not part of your job. And you're like, I'm not asking you as your operations manager. I'm asking as a friend, can I go pick up Maya? And I was like, okay. Cause like there was like that, am I blurring the lines? Am I asking too much? Am I, am I demanding of people in ways that it's not okay? Or it's, it is crossing boundaries. And, and that's what one thing Haley that you've done really, really well is you've brought a lot of our communications away from text and phone call into a business model. So we now use Slack, we use Slack so we can talk business when business needs to be talked about. And when we want to just shoot the shit with each other on the weekend, we can still send that within our group chat that we have as well. Obviously the group chat is more for like immediate response, but like I have learned so much about putting things into an email or putting things into Slack and feeling like I have an actual boundary line between for all of us. Like, and I think that that's one thing we've gone from working as much as possible together. And that was like a huge goal for us in the last year is we wanted to work, you know, in a group two to three times a week. And then COVID happened and we're like, okay, just kidding. Instead, we're never going to see each other ever. And we're going to do this all virtually. And we're going to do it with great mental health practices. And we're going to do it with, you know, great boundaries and honoring that capacity. And here I am like texting Sam at like eight o'clock on a Sunday morning and being like, oh my gosh, like how are we managing this? Like how the heck? And it's been so important to start creating a lot of these systems that create that boundary because a lot of us, in our own jobs and friendships. And when those, and regardless, like Sam and I work like met in a work capacity and now our friends. So it doesn't matter. We still have to create these like healthy boundaries between friendship and between workspaces so that we each can individually have our own lives. Cause this job runs 24 seven, like, and it is really 
Sam, how do you do that? Because you're the one that often has to fall into that crisis mode when something goes wrong. And God knows I will panic when your phone is turned off for like, remember when your phone, you switched to a new phone and I literally was like, oh my God, Sam is dead. Like I thought thought you died. Yeah. yeah, I thought like Haley and I were like, I was, gone. I was offline for like three I hours. wasn't okay, Sam. <laughs> I thought you died. <laughs> I was about to drive to Burlington. I felt we sick. were really, like, I didn't we know felt what was sick. going we on. We were like, where is she? And Haley was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do to like take over for the same role as I'm like tears rolling. Like, oh my gosh, we've lost her. <laughs> Sam, you don't get a lot of time off because I don't get a lot of time off. How the heck do you balance that? I feel like I have, um, there are times that when I'm better at it and times when I'm worse, but like, I'll start by saying nine times out of 10 when you think something's a crisis, <laughs> I do not. Um, <laughs> just why I do this side of it. Do that side that's a very valid statement. <laughs> that's like, that's a number one. And then two, I think while this job is always on it, it is an always on job for sure. There is more flexibility in it. It's not necessarily that you are sat at a desk nine to five working, you know, the entire time. Like if I need to jump out and do something on a Friday afternoon, like shine's fine with that. I, you know, make sure I'm like getting stuff done. It doesn't really matter. And so if I have to, you know, like call a million shoppers on Saturday morning for you, it doesn't really bother me that much. <laughs> Recent example. Recent example. Yes, it's true. It doesn't really matter as much. And, you know, I like in the same way that if I was working at a peer agency and a client had like a big event, like I would book that day off. You know what I mean? With you, like if you have a post going live or like a big launch going live, like I'm not booking my vacation during that time. So that's helpful. And then, you know, like I also have a team working with me at Shine. So if I am off, I can move somebody else in, make sure that things are still moving forward. I would say that. But I guess part of it is that... I am like a bit of a workhorse and I do love my job and I love what I do with you. And I know that if I have like, you know, if I set you up in advance to know that I'm not going to be available, it's usually fine. (laughs) Aside from that one time I told you I was going to be off for an hour. (laughs) You called me. (laughs) I did call you. I don't remember why I did. And I was like, I know it's been five minutes since you told me that you were not going to be available. I will genuinely say, I think like loving what you do plays a role in it and not that like, I do think it's important to disconnect. I do think it's important to have time off, but I know that you also value those things and that's what we, and you both have to answer this. What would you say are my worst traits when it comes to this job and this industry or as a boss in general? I don't even feel like I'm your boss. Sometimes I feel like you guys are my boss, but we mutually boss each other. What are like, honestly, I know there's things and it doesn't have to be like, I'll go first. I'll jump on this train. I would say you love to to not answer a thing. You get just you're a little disorganized. I love you. You're a little disorganized. That's why we brought Haley on in the first place was because I was very disorganized. Yeah. Yeah. I don't always reply. Sometimes I read it at two in the morning and then I ignore it for a week. That's fair. I just keep tagging you in Slack. Do you know what else (laughs) I do that I know that you that (laughs) Sam, like last week you were like can we schedule a phone call tomorrow? And I was like, why? What happened? Who did this? Like, what is going on? And you're like, no, I just want to talk about that, this. And I was like, why? What did I do? What happened? And you're like, wow, your brain. And I was like, so sorry. Haley, go for it. Yeah, no, I was just going to say one of the things that's interesting to deal with because I run the business side, but the business is revolved around a human with emotions. And like, you know, that it's a whole other thing to deal with. So I would say sometimes, when you get a lack of confidence out of nowhere and all of a sudden you doubt yourself and you start questioning things when like we both know it was crushed on the first go, you know, but then, then we kind of have to be like, okay, why did we feel that way? What, what went wrong? And sometimes we're reshooting and we didn't really need to, or we didn't need to do these things, but you, sometimes you do, you have this lack of confidence in yourself. And the minute you question yourself, it's like, no, But I get it. We all have that. So that's the interesting part of the business is that when you doubt yourself, then I doubt like, wait, you know, is the business running properly? Are things going well? So yeah, just not doubting yourself, but you, I don't know. I don't know the last time you really deeply doubted yourself. 
great. We've had a good go lately. I think a lot of it stemmed last year when I was like pregnant and anxious and everything just made me highly, highly emotional. Well, huge change was coming. Huge change was coming. And I know like our whole business structure had to change with that. We had to start changing our contracts around my mental health. We had to start changing contracts around my physical health. We had to talk about what is this boundary going to look like? And to not even know, like, I remember us being like, I have no idea what kind of birth I'm going to have. How can I prepare for what work is going to look like? I have no idea what kind of baby I'm going to have. How can I prepare for what work is going to look like? It is a job that revolves around a person who is a human being who has emotions and we all have to show up for work. We're all individuals that have things, but when your entire company success or failure rides on a person, I think that that's a very easy thing to, to stress over. And I think that's where I often lose joy in it is that I, I overthink it. And I definitely feel like I'm failing forward where I've committed to things. I'm excited about them. And then they start to creep closer. And I'm like, why am I living in this self-doubt or like nobody cares and nobody's going to listen, or I don't want to make people upset. I don't want to disappoint anybody. And it becomes like this cycle. And a lot of it, I think stems from the fact that this job, we're still fighting for legitimacy within it. We're still fighting for perceptions to change. And I think one thing I'm really proud of is that in the last year, throughout all of that, we have proven ourselves time and time again, not only as a team, but as creators, as people who you know, we used to show up on sets for these big collabs and now we are the set for these big collabs and watching us like knock it out of the park. You know, Sam has to go through like major contract negotiations that impact the next year of our business. And to walk away from, we just had one that like finished up and it was a year long one. And and then you kind of sit and go, so how did they feel after a year? And then when they come back and hand us another year contract, we're like, okay, this is like, we did something right and good. This was, how did this feel? Like having those exit strategy conversations as well and really feeling excited to be a part of something again, or really feeling excited to know that it worked for all parties. It was a win, 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 because oftentimes you don't know every collab you do. This is people don't realize we talk about it for a year and then it launches and you have no earthly idea how things are going to go. There is no metric and measurement to how anything will be in success. So then you have to determine numbers on like zero with zero example. You have to determine content on zero idea of what is going to be received or not. It's a lot of guesswork, which creates a lot of self-doubt. But the fact is, at the end of the day, we have a really, really successful year. I don't even know numbers-wise success. Like It's very different for me because I guess that part is, while I should care about it more, I really care about how we feel, like how we really feel showing up for things, which is why I sometimes get flack for saying no to things because I'm like, eh, like if it's an eh, it's not a yes for me. But I'm curious for each of you, we've talked so much about what the future might be and what we might do. What is some, what is a couple things that you are hopeful for or excited for, for the next year? Let's just put it at that because actually, as we talk right now, Sam, this is like literally coming up on our third year of working together. And each year has looked entirely different. This last year has been, and this coming year has been very focused on working with brands on the ground floor, doing a lot of collabs, which are a huge, massive undertaking. And we have a, we've had a lot of hopes and dreams of change in the next year. What are some, like, if you were to put dreams in the sky, what would be the things for each of you that you really hope happens for us as a team? I'm going to put it out there. The product collab with Reebok. Oh my gosh. We Imagine about. I got to have a Reebok <laughs> shoe. That would be really cool. Honestly, I'm trying, Sarah. We got Barbie. Remember that time I was like, imagine we got Barbie and then we got Barbie. So you never know. I was going to say, we need to start putting the imagine statements out there because so far, so good. I would say, honestly, in the next year, I'm just hoping, fingers crossed. I think something that I got a taste of right before COVID happened was watching you actually engage in your community. So not just um, over a screen. And this year has been awesome building those like strong, strong brand partnerships and building that kind of loyalty. But watching you interact with people who you've impacted, um, like I know we did a Sage event and I got to actually watch people have conversations with you and, you know, see the, see the impact rather than numbers. You know, we've talked a lot of numbers this year, but it's really nice to be involved in the community and watch that community grow and 
create events and spaces around that community. So I'm just really excited, hopefully, 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 in the next year to be getting back out there and engaging with that community in the best way you know how, which is in like really in person. I think it's very comparative to how you feel telling somebody you love them and actually physically being with them and giving them a hug and telling them that. And I feel like while I've done tons of amazing virtual speaking in the last year, I still am here online. When you're physically with people that you interact with every day, but you don't get to see their face and you actually get to hug them and be a part of the world and show them that you are who you are online. There are people who genuinely don't skip a beep, beep, (laughs) a beat between online and, you know, reality. And so I I always love that part too. I'll tell you what my big dreams are for the next year. And I'm just going to say this out loud because I think I need to be more serious about it. I really want us to have like a workspace. I want us to have a, a space that we can go into that we can actually invest our business into property, not property, like buying it, but like just a space for us, a space for us to create that work life separation, especially coming out of this. And I hope, and I have such lofty dreams of expanding even more I feel like my success is never going to be my personal success. I think that everybody can bring something to the table and the idea of being able to expand in that way and help creators. Yeah. Yeah. And really just, yeah, do more of that. I've had so many conversations with amazing people, you know, Jillian, somebody who's constantly like building your team is so pivotal, so important. It just adds into who you are, you doing what you do best, having everybody else do what they do best. But it feels really intimidating to do that. I think it, I think when it, you're providing your own income, it's one thing. And then when the added pressure comes on to like provide it for others as well. But that also makes me feel excited to do it when it's not just for me anymore, when it's like a group collective and we all benefit when things go well, when, you know, the birds, and this is why sometimes I'm glad that I have a blog name. That's not my name is that I really can see that the birds papaya is a very successful entity. And I am a part of that. I may be the creator of it, but I am merely a part of a much bigger like group. And I, and I hope we grow and I hope that we see that success grow with it. And I hope that we get to give, you know, more women opportunities within this industry and just growing in their own careers and all of that as well. I mean, Haley, it's been absolutely amazing to see you come into something you knew nothing about and have it be your full-time job that you kill it at. Like you do so well at what you do. It's really cool to know, Sam, that you didn't start in this. You actually grew into this and almost like, but not by accident really, but somewhat in, in happenstance for something that you now love to do and get to be a part of it. I never believed for myself that I always felt like there were the people who were doing it. And then there was me. And I felt like I was just somebody who was almost like mimicking what other people were doing. I was never actually showing up just as myself. And and I think that that truly was the turning point was when I started showing up being who I was, even in an industry and in a, not even in a niche, but just in a place of a corner where I didn't even see brand partnerships existing. Cause I'm like, I'm not a mom blogger. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not a home one. I'm not this. Like, how am I going to create impact when I don't even know how I'm going to find support in that? And the fact is there's been an overwhelming amount of incredible brands who are willing to back and support messaging, uh, even of authenticity, even not knowing what that post might be tomorrow and just really trusting my voice and really honestly having the best audience I possibly could ask for. I was just talking to somebody the other day and they were like, your audience is like the followers that we have are like salt of the earth people. Like they care so much about each other. They care about the brands I talk about. They're just like, if I talk about a friend I have, they flood that friend and like give them love. And I'm just like, that is not even a me thing. Like I didn't do that. Like people did that. Like people rallied behind me. And when we look at people and we look at brands as a person, it is the people behind them that makes it go. And I know like I'm an anxious person often every single morning. I, when I know what my deadlines are that day, you will both wake up to a text that's like three paragraphs long of like why I'm panicking. And the fact is like, I don't, I would never be successful in what I do if it wasn't for the two of you upholding me and like supporting me in the background of things, in the back end of things, managing stuff that I have no clue about that I possibly couldn't do. And we all just do what we're good at and it's actually working out for us. And I feel like that's really cool. Very, very cool. 
Very cool. I'm excited. I'm excited too. It's going to be, it'd be interesting. We should do this next year. We should do this next year and come back and talk about the things that we hoped for and dreamed of and see what happens. Thank you both. I, normally I send these off and I'm like, tell everyone where they can find you and where they can engage with you. But Sam and Haley, you know, you are often the voice that a lot of people hear from, whether you're a brand, you're talking to Sam and whether you are, you know, a follower or somebody who has reached out for the first time and you go to that little inbox, that's often Haley that you're talking to people who are scheduling my podcast. That's also Haley. A lot of people who, you know, a lot of things that are happening on the back end, that's Sam. There's so much that's not just me. And I just love you both so much. And I just, you're not just my left arm, you're my left and my right arm. So please stay forever. So let's end it on a hug. Let's end on our virtual (laughs) hug. I told Haley that on her next contract, I'm putting a clause in that I need six months of notice if she ever leaves me. I think I also need that. I actually think I need eight months notice. I need to know before Sarah knows so that I can prepare for when you're telling Sarah. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I know. But I also hope to be the boss that my boss was to me that when I quit my job said, congratulations, and I can't wait to see how you do. And if I can ever support you in what you're doing, I can't wait to do that. And so I hope to always kind of be that person too. It's really hard to be the boss when you're so used to just like being the person who listens to everybody else to like be the person that has to make the decisions. It's like having to be the adult in the room, which I hate being. So I'm learning. I should probably go for some management training, you know, maybe one day. I love you both so much. Thanks for so much for doing this podcast. I hope people found it really interesting and get to know a little bit more about what we do and how we do it and hopefully learn how to do it for themselves as well. So thank you both so much. And for everyone listening, you will find another curious conversation happening next week on the show. I hope you tune in then. We'll see you then. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.